and you can live in the day. Welcome to the show, Man in the Making. Season whatever, episode, who knows? <laughs> Still going strong. That's what that matters. Still going strong. Got an email the other day from someone um, wanting us to join their network or be a part of their network. And um, I don't know. It was a kind of a paid advertising type spot. Looked kind of interesting, but the biggest thing to me was it, it was obvious that that the podcast is being noticed to a certain degree mm-hmm. and that that's always a good sign when even when advertisers come come at you it's kind of a good sign i think and but, i sent you the email i got as well right from yeah you did yeah i remember that so we welcome everyone today um we just hit a spree of uh what was that multiple episodes of the same same recording part one part two where it looks like three of that now and we're kind of getting back into the normal swing of things with uh maybe shorter episodes with with just one topic or two topics so i think um rokas you might have something for us all yes so i would like to base this episode on ego balance so to start off um what is ego balance, Raj? All right. So ego balance is something we've been bouncing around back and forth when to record this and what it, what about. And I think it, it came up from one of my, one of my classes, I think one of my online, is that how that came up? Ego balance. Uh, I was asking you some questions on Facebook. Oh yeah. And yeah. And then you brought up that that was, of ego balance yeah so you brought it up and it it came up separately so i thought okay that's interesting Mm -hmm. so i'll give you some background as to the class i was giving it's i i give every week i'm i have a paid um class that i do for people in the uk there's a few groups like that on facebook that that pay me for weekly lectures which is a real amazing thing i love that and i'm really glad to be in that position these people tend to be executives, CEOs, you know, real, real exhausted folks who, who are just invested in their, in their mission. And they run a team and they're, they have um, big budgets. So they're in high stress environments. So naturally they, uh, they have a lot of uh, questions and, and, and support they need, they need um, for how to, how to manage a team how to do better, how to have less stress and anxiety while all these powerful things are going on. So rightfully so. I seem to have ended up in this coaching world for executives, which is is interesting. A main theme I get a lot with them is how do I I rise to the top without becoming a narcissist? It's something that we've talked about before, I think. It's something that I've written about, and um, it's an interesting topic that I always think about. And especially in personal life, you know, how do I, as a, as a a lead of a company and Helena as the lead of a company, you know, how do we get farther without becoming worse people and it's ego balance. So something that is not necessarily self-evident is that we do need part of the ego. Um, And then it came up with you um, in in specifically with with relationships right is that how that came up yeah i believe so so and no matter who you are no matter what's going on in your life uh or what dynamic you're dealing with social or personal uh professional or intimate um there's an ego balance so we have ego one of the biggest misconceptions is that on the path of life we need to get rid of ego and um, just kind of be this spiritual light ball of love, which isn't the case. We'll get eaten alive if that's the case, especially if we're in the corporate world, which is full of nasty, dirty people. We, we have ego for a reason. And ego is a very, very special thing. It's a powerful tool. It's a, it's a um, operating system, right? So we're all running our OS, which is uh, ego um, 
uh, 2.0 um, uh, Ego Sierra 2.0. And we're all running this operating system. As, as the um, programmer and designer, us, our soul, we have a, we have a problem where uh, certain viruses get through to the operating system. And it makes the ego uh, more powerful than it's supposed to be. It's like an overvalued stock. And it takes a little while to recognize this thing, this, that this is happening. So that's where balance comes in. We, we, we don't want to remove the operating system. We don't want to remove ego. Without ego, we wouldn't have the desire to do anything, even love. We wouldn't have the desire to eat. Ego is just the, the foundational operating system that helps run our platforms and our apps and our, our life. It's the fabric of reality. It's the mesh that everything is built out of. It's the rays that come out of the sun. So ego is the energy that flows through everything. It's so important. The key is to not be completely absorbed by it and burned by it and eaten alive by it and to lose yourself inside of it. And that's where uh, these viruses come in. You get narcissism disorders or narcissistic disorders and, and uh, you, you get manipulative and you get uh, lustful and you, you just get greedy. When the ego has taken over completely, we become worse people. When we're in control of ego, uh, we have a balance. So we, we use our um, desire to make it in the world. Um, but we don't try to, to step on people as we go up. We use our balance of ego to um, attain personal pursuits of perfection, like um, being healthy, playing sports, uh, having relationships. But we keep some of that ego to make sure that people don't manipulate us or take advantage of us. You know, we, we look out for ourselves to a certain degree. We need that operating system to be running smoothly. But at the same time, we need to remember that we are the coders. It's our operating system. We designed it. And it's not, um, it's not unfair to, to, to remember that and to re retain that, that position. One of the interesting things that, uh, you know, people think is that they need more ego in more powerful situations. And that's also not the case. That's a misconception. When we're, when we're in a powerful position, it, it's still important to remember the little guy, to remember the guy, everyone at the bottom, to everyone at the team who is not going to get mentioned. Um, if we can be at the top, of our trade or our career or our, our craft and also remember and make other people just as important and remember who, who helped us along the way. Um, we will, uh, we will be more. It's not that we will be less or it's not that we will be diluted. Um, to some degree, we will be even more powerful, even more strong. Um, and uh, in a relationship, there's a fine balance there, especially when we live with someone. Um, we want to have this balance, but at the same time, we don't want to be manipulated or, or, or walked over, right? And, and I, I hear that a lot with this, this rule that I'm giving about ego balance. And it's like, well, I tried to be nice. Um, I tried to move out of the way and I, I tried to, you know, make, bring them up, but they ended up taking advantage of me. And so that this, this ego balance thing doesn't work. I need to be harsh. I need to be um, uh, aggressive. So I'm not a pushover. Right. And it's just two extremes. And, and neither of those gets you the benefit that you want because, you know, mark my words, 
even when you're right, even if you're aggressive, if, if you make the other person a loser, you will not win in the end. You will, you will have, have uh, the means to the end is not, is not worth it. You'll, you'll become someone who no one wants to deal with in a company or on a team and in a relationship, you'll have this um, aggression, aggression. You'll have this scar on you, you know, from these, these past relationships. So the key is with ego balance is to constantly check yourself, constantly check your operating system to make sure it's running properly. And I think when we were talking Rokas, it specifically had to do with the relationship, you know, um, to you specifically asked me, why do we want people to, to care about us? Yeah. Why do we, um, why do we ex- expect uh, something back from someone? And that's ego. Ego is the expectation. Ego is the desire to be recognized or to have a, a, an action uh, recognized. And um, that's okay. It's, it's important to know that that's ego. It's also important to know that that's okay. Um, we're, we go into relationships, we give our energy to something, and it's in my course, energy management, that one of the foundations of energy management is to be around people that are going to recirculate energy to give it back and forth, right? That's, that's part of how we sustain ourselves. If we're always around people who treat us like shit, we're going to be worse off. If we're always around people who um, are are on the other end of the extreme, and maybe they give, give, and give, and it's like you can't give them anything, it kind of gets weird, and and it's it's going to be off balance. So for for the for the people in life who are leaning towards the the renunciate, the mystic, the sage. Not expecting anything back from anyone is fine because you're trying to work on your ego. So it's important if you've been, if you've had too much ego to sort of jump to the other side and, and try to remove it to a certain degree, to a large degree. And that's how we find balance in the middle, just as Aristotle says. So for everyone else who's kind of, maybe they've gone through that stage already or they have a somewhat balance, but there's just a few things to refine um, we have to be open and communicate with with the people that we think are doing the manipulation. And and to try to do it on our own is very difficult. We need to kind of, and that's one of the ways we we um, maintain a healthy operating system. It's it's communication. It's it's running utility checks and a utility check is when we talk out loud it's when we speak to other people and we start to run through the data that's running inside of us and we spit it out like a printer hey i'm feeling this way it's just like one sheet of data hey the other day when you did this i'm not quite sure but it feels like you're trying to pull one over on me is that is that what's going on right and um you know, it's funny because I have personal experience of that with, with Helena, right? In the beginning stages of our relationship, I know that I knew that I was like a really nice person. And, and she's, uh, she's, she had been a CEO for seven years at that point. And she was more of aggressive. She was more of an aggressive person. So I was constantly trying to balance. Am I being taken advantage of? Am I doing things? Am I going too far to please her? And I'm not getting enough in return. So instead of instead of letting that simmer inside me and boil from the inside out and drive me to madness, I would just say it out loud. Like, hey, are am I too nice? Like, is are you I can't tell if you're kind of pushing me. And and it would allow us to both rebalance and to like recenter and for her to double check and for me to double check. And it's like some things we both realized that I was being insecure about other things. We both realized, hmm, yeah, I was kind of like pushing you a little bit to see how much I could get, you know? And it's like, 
I'm saying it out loud, meaning I'm detecting something is going on and let's, let's talk about it. People don't get to that point. A lot of the times they, they keep it inside or they go talk to their best friend. And it's like, your best friend isn't going to help you. It's the person that you're having the issue with that's going to help you. And if it's a proper fit, then you're both going to like come up with a solution. So should you be 100% open or are there cases where you can't really be? And another thing, what if you want to talk to that person about it, but they're not ready to talk or they they don't want to talk at the time? Yeah, two really good uh, ideas there. Yes, you can be too open. And, and I've been too open in the past and, and it's to, in the monastery, we were trained to be very open, but um, we were also trained to balance, right? So critical thinking and wisdom tells you when to say something and when not to say something and being too open. And everyone goes through this process as they learn how to achieve, achieve balance and moderation. Uh, being too open kind of draws things out, right? Have you heard of the term beating a dead horse? Yeah. That's being too open a lot of the times. It's like being too fragile, uh, being too empathetic, trying to feel something too much when sometimes you need to just keep your mouth shut and keep going and relax and just trust the process and, and live another day. Um, to, to micromanage every little thing. Oh gosh, she said that the other day. I wonder what she means by that. You know, to do that too much will destroy your, your equanimity. Um, to do that too little will destroy your equanimity and, to, and it won't allow uh, effective means of communication. So there is a balance. And, um, you know, I love it, you know, when when someone is honest enough, right. And, and open enough to say, Hey, I think you're thinking about that too much. I really wouldn't read into it. And those are, those are important moments when we learn that we've said too much, we've worried too much, you know, we've thought about something a little too much. And um, we always know we've done something too much when a we, we occur at, we, we, we circle around to the beginning, like we circle around and uh, there's no solution. It's, it's hard to put that into words, but the mind recirculates itself. It, it, it's like a washing machine. It just spins. And uh, we start out at the top, we go to the bottom and then the machine is at the top again. And it's this circle. So the mind, it goes through these different um, patterns in a circular fashion. When we get to the other end, we probably should be a little cleaner. We should have a little bit more uh, solutions in place. But if we come back to the, the beginning in the circle and we're, we're even dumber, uh, we're even more ignorant and we don't even know anymore, our intellect has taken us for a little bit of a spin and, and we probably need to back away from the mind. Because it, it's not going to solve the problem. That, that same part of the mind is not going to solve the problem. Um, and this takes an, inc- an incredible amount of self-awareness, you know, to watch ourselves. Um, and the, so I've had to learn not to be too open, not to be too closed, but to have this, this balancing act. And um, it's, it's kind of a fun adventure when, when we're self-aware enough to watch the moment and to start to question our, ourselves in the moment, you know, before we speak and, and to get to the balance where, to get to the, the, the stride, when we start running at a stride with ourselves and we know ourselves well enough to, you know, play the game and, and, and really do well, um, that's, that's, that's the, when life starts getting real fun. Uh, because we know how to bend, we know how to break certain situations, and, and we know how to play our cards and things like that. And it's like an operating system. It starts running efficiently. It, it can get, detect certain patterns and things like that. And um, all the bug fixes are out, and a, a new version comes, gets spit out, and we, we reboot. Um, that happens all the time, and, and we needed that to be happening all the time to really start enjoying life. 
Um, with the second thing you said, uh, which can you remind me again? Yeah. Um, so if you want to, let's say, speak to a person about something in oh, terms of being open, but yeah, but let's say they don't want to ever at the time or for some other reason. Yeah. And that, that's a beautiful, that that's going to happen all the time too. Um, while you're open about something or what, when you're comfortable about something, the other person or people may not be. And it's tough because it, it's, it goes to what's the urgency here. So my, my advice changes based on what we need. If we are, I'll give a, I'll give an ex, a corporate example. If we are in the middle of a serious project, there are massive unknowns and the launch is days away. And like we're in the final stages and people are just closed off. We need to, we need to, we need to say something out in the open. Hey, this is not feeling like you're on par with what everyone's doing. We need to kind of figure that out. How are we doing here? And, and you have to like, in a corporate setting, you need them to say something. You need them to be open. And if they're not, that's going to be a, that's going to be a, a negative review in their corporate profile. Right. And that's, that's their fault that that happens. Um, it's the leader's fault at that point for not seeing it sooner. So that's how you can take responsibility there. But in an intimate setting, we have to uh, kind of give the person space. It's tough because we have to be open. We have to present the fact that there's a problem or a question, uncertainty, and then we have to kind of and, and this is actually in the, the middle of the book and everything is your fault. I remember it now specifically. I say that uh, I have this insight that we, we should be open about everything as much as we can. But then as soon as we say something, we actually have to renounce it. We have to let it go. We can't be attached to the thing we just said. We can't be attached to the way we feel because things could change given new information and uh, transformation needs to happen on both ends. I'll give you an example. Um, in this intimate relationship or this person that I live with, this, this flatmate or whatever, my friend, um, we, uh, we've been working on something or something's not going right. And I'm like, hey, you know, you've really been slacking here and, and, and I feel like it's all one-sided. All right. Out in the open, I just admitted that I'm feeling like I'm being taken advantage of. All my cards are out. You can see my whole hand. Uh, it's now up to the other person to react and to say something or, or to not say something and, and expose how they feel about how I feel. All right. Now, there's a good chance new data is going to present itself in the relationship if it's a healthy relationship. The person will then come up with something and say, well, you know, I was actually kind of feeling the same way. And it's at that moment where you have to let go of what you just said. And this is a very effective strategy um, when it's done right. And you now have to lose your entire image and picture and concept of negative feelings about the person. Now you embrace the other person and you have two open people working together and you have to let go of what you said and, and cre create a new solution and say, okay, all right, now we both haven't been communicating. How do you feel about this? And let's communicate. That's, that's scenario one in a healthy relationship. Um, the other scenario is, is the other person fires back with something even more negative, um, something, a personal attack. It's like, well, you're, you're, you know, it's like, I'm not feeling heard here. I feel like I'm getting the short end of the stick. And then person B, well, you're just kind of a lazy bastard and, and I've never respected you anyway. Or, you know, 
I think that's an excuse. And, you know, it's that now is not the time or silence. You know, it's like, oh, well, we're not talking about this right now. I mean, and that's when your openness, your continued openness is, is futile. It just, it's not making sense. So that's when space is needed. You back up, you, you stop, just stop forward motion on that. And, and you, you did your part. And again, you still have to let go of what you said with what you said, you know, I'm, I'm feeling uh, taken advantage of here. Didn't work. Okay. It's gone. Like the, the, the thought was out there. It didn't produce a solution. So it's a, it's not like a helpful thought. It's not a tool anymore that you need. So you can be relieved that you release that into the air. You can also be relieved by knowing that it didn't really help, didn't change the other person. So that's when we step back and we say, okay, this isn't a healthy moment, isn't a healthy situation. This person is obviously not willing to work with how I feel. Um, so it's, it's, I'm going to need to step back and see, reassess how this person fits in my life. And sometimes that means giving someone, giving someone enough space to kind of make themselves sane again, and then they come back. And then when they're open, if they become open again, that's when you receive them again. If you held on to that idea that you gave out, oh, you're taking advantage of me. If you hold on to that after you say it, you'll never reach a conclusion because you've been taken advantage of. You need, you need to let go so that new data can present itself. You need that person to come back and... and um... But then, okay, so you say uh what you're thinking how you're feeling and then you open yourself up like ready to take in that perspective and then that person convinces you that you were in the wrong but what if you weren't actually in the wrong like how do you how can you balance knowing whether it was or wasn't your fault if like let's say every time you're convinced that like the other person convinces you that it was your fault well, so that's a, that's a tough thing because, I mean, I'm interested in the specific details, but it's always going to be difficult without the details. But I think I yeah. can see a few times in my life where that's, that's happened. And, and I've been wrong before. That's where letting go helps, right? Letting go of that previous thought. Oh, I am wrong. Oh, okay. How am I wrong? How can I fix this? How do I take responsibility? Now, if you're, if you're not wrong, and I've been in this situation before, I actually write about that in the book as well. Um, I realized at one point I was being manipulated. I was being taken advantage of. It's like, I'm being open. My openness is being shut down. I'm giving the person space and then we'll come back at it. Now, this went on for years with the same person. And so I, I, it clicked one day, like, oh, I, we're repeating the same patterns. We're going back into that circle and we're even more confused. This person is not an effective fit in my life. That's the realization we come to and we distance ourselves. So that was that moment where I, I in the book, I, I quit, I quit my, my department. And I said, I'm not, I'm not working for this guy anymore because he's insane. And sure enough, saying that out loud to other people gave me data and people were like, yeah, he is insane. You're right. You put up with that a lot. Good job. Come work over to this team and it'll be proof that you're an effective person. If you fail here and then you're the common denominator and you're bouncing from person to person. So that's another possibility you look for the common denominator who starts the arguments most of the time who creates the problem am i successful around everyone else but this one person then we know there's a common denominator is it you or is it them and if it's like you know i'm i click with everyone else but i bump heads with this one person it's probably that person 
who is who is difficult. Now, the ultimate mode of 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 harmony is to is to eventually get along with them. So how do we do that? We never get invested in them ever. We just listen and observe. We never get past level level one in the relationship. But then in intimate relationships, you can't really be like that, though. No, no. That's that's when we stay friends, but we we move on. Yeah, yeah the, in in an intimate relationship, uh, that needs to be in the best case scenario. I'm open, you're open. We both work on our faults together. The relate the scenario that doesn't work is I'm open, you're closed. <laughs> We're creating more problems, and I don't. This doesn't feel right. And that's when you have to cut. I mean, that's how to know when to cut things off. And, and, you know, that could be a family member, right? I have, I have clients who say, you know, my, my, my brother, uh, to give an example, my brother is an alcoholic and uh, he uh, is, is violent and I don't, you know, I don't know what to do. And it's like, well, that person, your, your distance and space from that person is the, is the, the the thing that you're saying out loud it's the it's the it's the, it's your openness it's it's what it's trying to tell them this is what's going on we don't feel safe around you and i'm no longer going to bring my kids to your house and and you know you can let me know when you stop drinking it's 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 your it's your fault for letting for letting that person get that far in your psyche you know it's important to, to spot those kind of things right away. It's like the famous saying, uh, uh, if you fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Right. That, that, that me, that second part is the responsibility, you know, um, we can always make a few arguments. We can always validate a few arguments, a few problems, a few issues that we're working through, but if it's going on long enough, you need to take some responsibility for your own well-being. Like me in that in, in that office environment, you know, uh, I had I had just been in one too many meetings that lasted too long and that were too negative and that were psychologically manipulative, and I had questioned my own um, effectiveness, my own self worth, and. Uh, you know, I'm looking around to the other guys and I'm like, is this right to you? And they're like, you know, I always leave that meeting feeling worse about myself. And I'm like, yeah, me too. Like, but here we are trying to do our best. And what's with that, you know? And it's like, oh, okay. Now here comes the part where you gather up your testicular fortitude, meaning you get some balls and you say, you know what? I'm, I'm done. I'm not going to let you do this to me anymore. I'm out. That's my responsibility. It's my fault for letting it get this far. Goodbye. And, um, you know, it, that's tough. That's a difficult thing. Um, because, you know, the other person is still a person. They still can work through things. You can still have respect for that person, but, there has to be a point where, where you take responsibility for your own um, circle of influence, your own people, your own happiness. And you can take ultimate responsibility. You know, um, you can say, I just don't know how to work with you. And that's my fault. And um, even to the alcoholic brother, I just don't know how to navigate life. Um, there's too much chaos. And I'm not that good. I'm not that good at, at transforming that much chaos into order. I can't handle it. And that's my fault. So I'm going to step back. Um, or my, my former boss, I'm, you know what, you have a certain flow and, and you expect a certain thing from your people. That's not me. I can't meet those expectations. It's my fault. I'm going to step out. And Hey, if it is me, the team will be better off, right? Because I'm the denominator here. Um, if it's you and I step out, 
well, you're going to continue to be an asshole. And, um, you know, I won't be able to help you. So I'll be honest, the, in that setting for me, when I went to another department, um, look, I still lived with this other guy. Like he was still a brother monk of mine. Um, he was still a senior leader. I still worked for him from time to time. I passed him in the hallways every friggin' day. I ate with him. I ate lunch with him every day. Um, I had to face the reality that we just did not work well together. And it was like people, that's what pe people, other all people also said, like, you know, you guys are, it just didn't make sense. It's fine. And, you know, years later, you find out that he actually kind of softened up a bit. So sometimes that fire is needed to burn rubbish. That's this famous saying in our, in our lineage. Um, sometimes that aggressive detachment and pulling away so that both people can reevaluate themselves is needed and it's painful. And um, gosh, it's funny. It's ironic because years later um, when I was leaving the monastery, that, that man was um, the nicest one out of everyone to see me off and, and not in a negative way, but like he, me and him connected the most while I was there. And he was, I admire him one of the most, even though he was the most brutal one to cause me so much pain. And uh, he, he was so, you know, I think he, me stepping away from the department kind of gave him a reality check too. Like, oh, hey, you know, I can be, my, my moves can be called. I can be bluffed. I can be, not, not everything I do works the way I think it does. Because that looked very bad on his record. Like you had, you had someone leave your department. That's never happened before. So what does that mean? And then he's over here in this other department and doing really well. So, you know, you might need to relax. And that's when his leaders and his role models in the, in the monastery were like, you're a little too much. I think at times you need to cool out. Um, and I, 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 I feel bad for the other monks in his department in a way, because uh, they had, they had their chance to speak up, but everyone kind of, uh, lied under pressure you know when everyone was like hey is is he too aggressive is something going on and they would say oh no raj is is the problem he's he's the problem here and uh you find out years later that uh they you know they come to you and say you know i wish i had spoken up i wish i had said something and it's like yeah i don't know maybe i was wrong but maybe maybe i was just you know if i'm wrong then I need to go with someone else who can teach me something more. So it's okay to make these, these calls, even if they're wrong, even if they're dangerous and risky, because in the end, um, we all learn something. And uh, it doesn't help to be in this painful situation where you're just not learning, just butting heads with the other person. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. I'll do one more question. And tell me if it's been covered already. So what separates a relationship from a friendship? Like an intimate relationship from just a friendship with that person? Oh. Except from like say sexual things. Um I've never been asked that before. I mean, I think one would be wanting to feel loved by that person you know love is so interesting it it breaks the bond the bound the boundaries of 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 um limitation uh, um, uh, logical limitation and reason it, it it is unreasonable so love is not necessarily a factor of an intimate relationship um okay karen i i i can personally attest to have individuals in my life that I absolutely love and, uh, you know, 
there, there's no sexual attraction there. It's, it's so, so I would say an intimate, an intimate relationship means that you, you are, you're instinctively attracted to them quite a bit. Um, and you want to, um, you want to have sexual activity with them. You want to be close to them. You want like skin to skin contact. I, I would say that, you know, you, you want to grab them and hold them tight and keep them close. I, I would say that changes a friendship to a, um, uh, uh, an intimate relationship. I think it's very simple. I don't think it's complicated at all. Love is complicated. Uh, a relationship, um, an intimate relationship is, is precisely that intimate. It's close it's pr in proximity. You want to be physically close to the other person. Because uh, you, you, can, you can love someone and, and not be sexually attracted. You don't want that. You don't, you don't see that relationship as that at all. But then still, if you are in an intimate relationship, wouldn't you still want to be loved by that person, to feel loved by that person? Well, yeah, yeah. So that circles back to the beginning, actually, which is good. Um, so if we don't have a healthy balance of ego, we will give everything we've got and get nothing in return. Now, as I mentioned in a weird way, for people who are like selfless and they're on the path of ego death and, you know, they're trying to understand selfless service and giving themselves and, you know, things like that, that's okay. It's, it's okay to be so selfless that you give and give and give and you get nothing in return. You, you can be that kind of saint person, but um, that doesn't last forever. That's just a phase people go through. And that's a wonderful phase to go through. Everyone should experience what it's like to selflessly give to, to that because that means you're entering into love in a pure form. Love, by definition, is to give something without the feeling, without the desire to get something back. That's love. Um, I love this person. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of them and they don't have to reciprocate. That's how much I love them. That's how much I care about their well-being. Now, that's not sustainable to a certain degree. For someone that you live with, uh, for someone that you still, um, you know, need something back from, you know, you, you, need, you need help. You need support. Uh, you can't do it alone. That's different. If it's someone that you don't, I mean, if it's someone that you literally don't need anything from, then you can have that, that wonderful, pure state of love where, gosh, I just love that person. And, and I don't care what they do. Um, they're just, they're, uh, I'll just, I'll love them forever. Now that's usually not with someone that you are intimate with. That's usually not with someone like you have a child with that. That's, that's different. Um, and, and that's one of the a misconception about relationships. A relationship is not always about love. It's about practicality. Like we need to do something here. We need to make something of ourselves. And that's where ego balance starts to tip the scales into ego. You know, we need this thing. We need this thing to run here. Uh, we can't be rolling along the sprawling hills on the green grass and everything is peachy forever. It's just doesn't work that way. And uh, if you do think it works that way, uh, you're going to be sadly mistaken because the dynamic of an intimate relationship means falling in and out of love. And that's one of the most beautiful things about uh, living with someone and, and being in a relationship is learning how to fall in and out of love over and over and over again. Love is, not, love is not consistent. Unless it's, you know, well, I don't know if love is consistent unless it's, it's, it's a personal love, unless it's love absolute as a philosopher would say, 
Um, love in and of itself, love as a concept is, is consistent. Your ability to love is consistent. Your capacity to have love for an individual or for a thing, it goes in and out, it fluctuates. Life fluctuates like that. And, and it's, it's good to understand that so that we're not hurt when someone doesn't reciprocate, when someone doesn't love us back, when someone, you know, doesn't treat us the way we thought they would. It's important to know that this is a cycle. We're in a cycle here. So um, can you explain how we would fall in and out of love and why? Well, that's the beauty of a relationship. That's, that's the beauty of not running for the hills after your first serious argument. Mm -hmm. That's the, that's willpower. That's determination. It's discipline. It's staying the course because at one point there was love. It's an idea that that love can be nurtured. Okay. So um, when we, when we have an actively uh, uh, maturing relationship with someone or something, we go through the, we go through the depths, we go through the good times and the bad times. And there's this consistent idea that we can make this work harmoniously in the long term. But in the short term, that, that chart may go up and down pretty hard. And we need to make sure that the chart goes up consistently in the long term as we zoom out. But we have to look at the dips and the valleys as we zoom in on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's where people think that's where things go south real quick because people see the downsides and they're like, Oh no. Like I thought this, what happened to that love? What happened to that feeling? And it's like, Hey, reality check. You're in a physical body. You're dealing with an ego. You're dealing with a, a person who's completely outside of you that you don't have any control of. You have to roll with the punches and remember that you enjoy getting punched you enjoy boxing, like you enjoy the journey. And that's where love comes in. Love is the journey. It's usually not the individual components. Because if we love the individual components too much and don't have affectionate detachment, well, that's when we get hurt. Because people naturally pull away. People naturally demagnetize and, and re-magnetize and they come back and forth and back and forth. And we, we hope in a good, healthy relationship that they don't go too far before coming back. And this could mean that the argument doesn't go too far into the weeks or that there's not resentment generated or there's not too much um, disdain for the other person. You know, if we... If we get into an argument, if things aren't clicking that well, you know, we hope that we do some work uh, that they come back kind of quickly. Maybe we, that means apologizing first. Maybe that means doing something nice. Maybe that means giving the person a little bit of space for them to love you again or to remember that there is something desirable about you. And if we are too attached, we start to um, make the other person kind of get annoyed with us. That's why I always recommend men have some sense of mystery about them. Men have some sense of space from their lover. Men have some sense of masculinity that keeps them desirable. You know, keep learning new things that, so that the person that lives with you um, has something to learn. It, without that dynamic, you become old very quickly. And that, that's just understanding basic psychology. Nice. Thank you. That was really good. Well, glad to be of service there. I, I, I um, you know, it's a work in progress. And I think, I think if, I think you could ask any um, seasoned relationship you know, how did you do it? And it's like, well, you know, you just ride it out. It's, um, there's this greater aspect of love, but on a day-to-day -day dynamic, there's hard work and there's putting love to the side for a minute and, and it, remembering it's there. You know, I love, I love this company, 
you know, their portfolio is good over time, but in the day-to-day basis, they've got some really sketchy parts and it makes me question, but then I have to zoom out and remember, Hey, last five years we're higher than we were. So things should be getting better in your relationship. I don't want, I don't want people to have to work with everything on a day-to-day basis. That's when it's not working. That's when the love wasn't really foundational. Um, for example, love goes both ways. Um, and as you stated before, you know, what happens if the other person is not receptive and things like that? Well, hey, that's the, the love isn't there anymore. And um, there's something about the situation that has changed drastically. And that happens too. people fall out of love and they don't get back in love. Um, that's why it's a, it's work in a relationship. We have to get ready to, to work for it. Um, and if we like the work and if we're good at it, and if we understand ourselves and we don't have a much, much drama on our part, I think we'll do fine. And we'll, and we'll naturally meet the right person at the right time. I think that's all. So Thank you for all that, Rokas, and and all those good insights into into the mysteries of the world and for our um, unrecorded uh, stock (laughs) talk that we forgot to record. And apologies to the listener. If you are interested in the stock information, um, from Rokas's perspective, from my perspective, as I learn more about it, as we all learn more about it in these changing times, which is, man, as I was saying the other day, this is the best time to be alive. This is the best time in history to be alive. And uh, it may, it, it'll get better from here and there'll always be a best after this, but we're at, we're at a moment where it's like, this is one of the best times ever. It's cool. We're talking about like new stuff all the time. And, it, and if we can remember who we really are throughout, man, we're just having fun. We're playing the game. And uh, life is a game to be played. But first, we have to be a good player. First, we have to be a good piece. We have to be strong. We have to go from pawn to rook to castle. Um, And eventually, if we can get to queen and king status, after bishop, start playing that board, life is awesome. It just keeps getting better. On that note, we'll see everyone next week. Thank you, Rush, and till next week.